This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. My name is Sasha Black, young adult and non-fiction author, developmental editor, writing consultant, and occasional rebel. So hello everybody. Before we start the show, I just wanted to take a moment to say, hey, thanks for listening to me uh, and give you a bit of an intro. So I wanted to tell you what I'm reading this week. The first book I'm going to tell you about is, well, technically I'm listening to this book because I'm listening to it on audio, but it's Playing Big by Tara. Mm, I'm probably going to completely mess up her name. Mo? Moa? Mo? Oh, maybe I'll re-record this. Anyway, it's spelled M-O-H-R. And it's, 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 well, the tagline is a practical guide for brilliant women like you. Now, the reason I wanted to talk to you about it is because it has one particular chapter that really spoke to me. And this chapter is all about fear. Now, fear for a creative is a huge deal. We all have crippling doubt on occasions. I know I certainly do. And also imposter syndrome the two kind of little buggers of the uh, creative mindset that like to, you know, choke you (laughs) at really important moments. Anyway, this book talks about two different types of fear. Uh, Now, I might also get these, the phrasing wrong, but I think it's paha or pahad and ira. Now, the two different types of fear mean two different things and they create two different feelings inside you. Pahad is that kind of terrifying, crippling fear when you're about to, I don't know, throw yourself out of a building. And by building, I clearly mean aeroplane because it is so late at night and I am tired and what are words? It's the type of fear that you feel when you're doing something scary or perhaps you're, you know, if we think about carnal things when we were cavemen, when we were about to be attacked by a bloody great big lion or something. But the other type of fear is a type of fear that we should lean into. And now I think this one's called Ira. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, But this is the type of fear that we feel when we are about to do something that will push us or develop develop us or help us to grow. Perhaps it's speaking in front of a load of people on stage, or perhaps it's that feeling you've got the moment before you hit publish on your first book. Now that's a type of fear that helps us grow. It's the type of fear we should lean into. The reason I found this so interesting is because you can really feel the difference. If I think about how I feel when I'm terrified, (laughs) well, I mean, my instant reaction is (laughs) not literally shit myself, but that is kind of the feeling we all know here, like our stomach's going, we feel sick, we're terrified, we might be shaking. It's not a nice feeling. It's kind of crampy and restrictive. Whereas the feeling of excitement, well, And there's the point, it is an excitement feeling. Before we go and do something that will push us, when I was publishing my first book, I had tingles and, you know, yes, anxiety, but it was, it was bubbly, it was static and electric and exciting. And even though I was scared, I really wanted to do it. And I think being able to recognize the difference between those two types of fear is really going to help me going forward and that's why I wanted to share that with you. 
the other book I am reading this week is actually a poetry book. So I don't know how many of you know this, but I have a secret obsession with poetry, specifically a type of poetry called expressionism poetry. People who don't know about poetry, that is the type of poet like Rupi Kaur uh, or Atticus. They are huge on Instagram uh, and they tend to only do a few lines, sort of maybe a paragraph at most of a poem. And I like to think of it as a bit of an epiphany dynamite. They're one one or two sentences that give you such a huge emotional impact um, that they, yeah, well, I've... It's a huge emotional impact. Uh, So the book I'm reading this week is, stand by, The Truth About Magic, which is by Atticus. It's the third book in his series. And he, oh God, I mean, for anybody who loves love, you, you have to read his books because they are just exquisite. Obviously, I'm wildly biased. Um, but yeah, go read them. Adam's family is full of villains. Why wouldn't I tell you about this? Of course, I might not always have a villainous update for you, nor a hero update, but in fact, I don't really know where these intros are going, so maybe you guys could tell me, what would you like to hear about? What would you like to know about before the show starts? And I will try and give that to you. Okay, over and out. Now, the last thing I wanted to tell you about is something that I'm literally trying not to flap my hands and squeal about. So one of my absolute all-time favourite films when I was a child was The Addams Family. Yeah, I know. I was a bit weird. I also liked Beetlejuice. (laughs) It's no surprise that my first book was about villains. Anyway, I have just been to the cinema this weekend and I saw gigantic posters for The Addams Family. Uh, It's an animated version, so it's not your classic um, Christina Ricci or Ricky, however you say her name, or, or even the older versions, but it's still The Addams Family. And why would I tell you about The Addams Family? Well, because it's full of villains. So that's the end of my intro. I don't really know where these intros are going, but I hope they will develop over the course of the podcast. If there's anything you'd like to hear about, anything you'd like to know, then tweet me or let me know some way and I will do my best to include that. One last thing before I go into the interview, just to let you know, my voice is a bit crackly and gravelly. I was very tired when I recorded this interview. So that's a lesson for me about the best times of day to record. Hello and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today we are with Adam Croft. Adam is a proud indie author of psychological thrillers, crime novels, and more recently, non-fiction books for writers. With almost 2 million books sold to date, Adam is one of the most successful independently published authors in the world and one of the biggest selling authors of the past few years, having sold books in over 120 different countries. His 2015 worldwide bestseller, Her Last Tomorrow, became one of the best-selling books of the year, reaching the top 10 in the overall Amazon Kindle chart and peaking at number 12 in the combined paperback fiction and non-fiction chart. His Night in Culverhouse crime thriller series has seen huge popularity worldwide, his Kempston Hardwick mystery books being adapted as audio plays starring some of the biggest names in British TV. Adam lives lives in Bedfordshire with his wife and toddler. Welcome, Adam. Thank you. It must have, um, a, a aforementioned toddler, you can probably hear crying in the background there. Um, I was going to say, it must have pained you to have to say nice things about me. 
Yeah. <laughs> so for everyone uh, listening, Adam and I have been uh, friends. Can we call, can we call each other friends? Yeah, friends. Who I, I I wouldn't use that word. <laughs> yeah. yeah, friends who mostly throw banter and abuse at each other uh, for a while now. So being kind, <laughs> being kind hurts deep. Um, <laughs> But I, just to apologise for everybody, I'm a bit hoarse today. Um, I had to have some uh, emergency dental work yesterday, so uh, my voice is a bit crackly. Uh, so I apologise in advance for that. But Adam, welcome. Thank Hello. you. Also, hands up, this is the second time we're recording this interview. I managed to totally fuck up on the first one and recorded using the wrong mic. So lesson learned. Well, uh, you've, you've admitted a mistake. So those, um, those tooth drugs must be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never again. I'll never admit to another mistake. No. <laughs> Um, yeah, thank you. I appreciate uh, how busy you are. I know how busy you are. And so I am very grateful that you have come back uh, to re-record this. Again. Yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, so you've written a book on mindset for indie authors. Mm. Broadly speaking, you break mindset down into three categories. Can you tell me about each of those categories and what they mean uh, for authors? Yeah, well, I mean, this is kind of something that just came about in the writing of it, really. I realized that um, mindset can be broken into these these three interconnected um, parts. There's a, there's a bit of overlap between each of them, and they're all completely vital to the process, really. Um, but in short, um, the three types are the professional, the visionary, and the business mindset. And now, the professional mindset essentially says that uh, as an indie author you need to take this seriously it's not a hobby it's not something you do in your spare time it's you've, you've got to sit down and get the work done as you would with any other job and have a professional attitude towards it um, it covers productivity it covers self-belief all of these sorts of things um, the second aspect is the visionary mindset which isn't quite as kind of crystal ball as it sounds it's it's more about looking to the future um in terms of your long-term thinking it's about um ownership of your rights it's about residuals and the importance of those um building your your mailing list basically laying the foundations for the future and all of these long-term things which are going to help you um in years to come rather than kind of trying to build on on shaky ground um, and the third aspect um, is the business mindset, which is all about getting creative people into that business frame of mind, because you do need to have those two halves there. Obviously, we are creative people, but as an indie author, you are also the publisher. You are a small business owner and you need to have a business mindset about it, too. So it's about demystifying numbers for wordsmiths, basically, and looking at how um, how to make data work for you as a, a creatively minded person yeah and I you know hands up for the second time in this podcast I am not a numbers person um, mm -hmm. however I appreciate how important data is for indies because I think that's you know one of the key things that separates somebody who's basically fanning around trying to, to do this and you know but not seeing <laughs> success and somebody who sees success because you cannot replicate uh good sales promotions unless you know 
what caused them. And you can't know that unless you look at the data and you analyze the data and you are able to implement new strategies based on the, on the results. So yeah, uh, yeah I, I completely agree. I, I, I it's not, that's not to say I'm doing it well. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is much simpler than it sounds. I mean, yeah, we throw away, throw out words like strategy and implementation and data and things like that. But, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't need to be as, as confusing as it sounds. It is, as you say, just a, a case of saying, okay, on this date, I did that. And the result was this. Yeah. It's um, yeah. seeing what happens as a result of, of actions that you, you take. It's about you know, tracking your sales. Um, you know, otherwise, it's actually very difficult to see what's going on. You can get a kind of an overall impression, but without diving deep into the numbers, it's almost impossible to know what works and what doesn't. And you know, in this industry, you need to be doing more of what does work and less of what doesn't work. And it's not even a case of just being able to ask somebody else what works and what doesn't, because more often than not, it's different for different people. Things that and, work and for even, me don't work for others. Yeah. And even within your, you know, you've got multiple genres and the mm. same things don't necessarily work across those different genres. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm well known for having a lot of success with Facebook ads and that has worked very well for a couple of my psychological thrillers for my crime books. Um, Facebook ads don't work at all. I just end up throwing money down a well. And even for some of my other psychological thrillers, it doesn't work. So yeah, even, you know, one of your main strategies might not work for something else that you do or another type of book, or it might stop working six months down the line. So it's about keeping on top of those things. Mm-hmm. And having a, a an experimental mindset, I suppose you know it is about continuing to trial and test and and not take for granted that an ad has started to work and will therefore work forever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I mean that's again that's why I kind of look at the long term side of things as well because yeah, you know, giving advice on short term stuff like advertising and different marketing venues. Um, a, as you say, they, they change all the time. Um, the success of that for you can change rapidly and, and regularly. And it's, it's not necessarily advice that applies to all people. It, it's all quite kind of vague and, and wishy-washy, really. So I tend to try to focus on things that apply to all or most authors and things that are um, sensible, long-term, practical things that people can do um, to boost their chances rather than, you know, looking at, you know, what's hot right now and might not be by the time I finish that book or that interview. Look at you. What an excellent segue. (laughs) Um, In my opinion, one of the the most important takeaways from your mindset book is about being long-term focused, which is something that settles well with me because I like to look at the, the big picture. I kind of always have my eye on the prize, so to speak, and looking down the line. But I think that the long-term focus can be split into lots of different uh, aspects. So it, I'll, I'll split it into two and ask you to talk about a residual, first of all. What is it and why is it so important to indies? Um, well, residuals are are vital, really. They're things that are often um overlooked it's um i think the easiest way to put it is imagine for example i've got a book that makes me um six pounds a day roughly or six dollars a day um it's a book that i wrote say eight years ago 
So six pounds a day, you might think, okay, you're not going to make much money out of that. Um, but over the course of a month, that's 180 pounds, 180 dollars, whichever currency we're looking at for this mythical book. Mm-hmm. Um, which means over the course of a year, that's two thousand dollars that that book is earning. Um, so that's not an insignificant sum for those few pounds a day or few dollars a day. No, it's a lovely holiday. It is. It's a free holiday every year. And if I multiply that by the number of years that book's been out, we're talking almost $20,000 for what a couple of months worth of work. So even though you might launch a book and not a lot happens and you sell a few pounds worth here and there over the course of the coming months, the coming years, that book will continue to sell and will continue to earn you money. And the longer it's on sale for, the more money it's going to earn you, despite the fact that you're not doing any more work on it. Mm. So we get quite obsessed over launches still in this industry, particularly on the indie side of the industry. People are talking about, you know, the next book launch and that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. The launch process is something which is still ingrained from the old trad pub days when the only place that books were sold was through bricks and mortar bookshops. And you had, you know, maybe a couple of weeks in order to make a, a big splash and start shifting copies or your books would be off the shelf and someone else's would come in and your books would disappear off the shelf at some point regardless. But that doesn't happen anymore. The majority of books are sold digitally or online at least. And those books are always available. They're always there. They're always visible. Um, and through advertising and marketing, you can make them more visible. Mm. So books don't have a shelf life. I've still, still got books selling each day, which are 10 years old nearly. So there's, you know, there's no need to worry about big launches, big splashes, um, you know, going all in for the first week. I mean, there are some advantages to that in terms of kicking algorithms into play. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this is kind of advanced stuff and there's really no need for um, most authors to worry about it. I certainly don't worry about it. I don't build up to big launches or anything like that and you know, try and get as many week one sales as possible. For me, you know, I want to be doing this for years to come. I'm not really bothered about what happens next week or next month. I'm looking five, ten years into the future. Yeah, absolutely. So next question, shout out to Tom, uh, who is a supporter on Patreon. Thank you very much for your support. He wanted me to talk to you about KU and their exclusivity versus being wide. So you're quite vocal about your dislike of KU's exclusivity policy, not necessarily KU as a concept, but Mm. the exclusivity. Um, And you're a huge proponent of being wide. Can you, can you talk about why that is? Um, Well, again, I think it's about looking at things long-term and not being narrow-minded in your approach to things. Um, The, KU model in itself is not a bad one. The subscription model works very well. You look at Netflix, you look at um, Spotify, um, different forms of multimedia consumption work well on the, um, on the subscription model. And I think it would work very well for books too. But the main problem is the exclusivity that Amazon demands um, in, in, in exchange for being in KU. I mean, Netflix doesn't say to Steven Spielberg, you know, you can't have your you film out in movie theaters, you can't release it on DVD, it's got to be Netflix only, or, you're, or we're not having it. Um, Spotify don't demand that Ed Sheeran only has his new records out there and you know, doesn't do any tours or gigs or anything like that. It, it would be mad if they did. Um, but because this is Amazon, they get away with it. And as soon as that changes, I'll be the first person to recommend being in KU. But for me, 
at the moment, the biggest drawbacks are uh, the autonomy factor, um, which basically means it, 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 if you've got all of your eggs in Amazon's basket, you're, you're going to have some serious worries because there have been times when people have had their KDP account shut down for no reason at all. Mm. Um, they've been unwittingly dragged into um, book stuffing um, uh, things where other authors have been creating you know, sort of junk box sets and trying to um, cram as many KU reads in as they can to scam the system. And in order to kind of make that look more natural, they read other authors' books as well. And if yours is one of those, then you're going to get associated with that that spammer and you're going to be probably chucked out too. That's happened a few times over the last couple of years. Um, for me, I would rather not have my entire career and business at the behest of, of Amazon. Um, you know, nothing against them per se, but I'd rather not have everything in, in one basket, regardless of what that basket was called. Um, it's also quite narrow-minded and short-sighted because there is a huge world out there be honest adam wow (laughs) no well amazon is only number one in the us and uk really um you know there are 190 something countries in the world so to focus only on two of them um is is pretty mad really um you know you won't if you're going all in with amazon you won't be selling any books on any of the other venues because you won't be allowed to um on Kobo alone, I've sold books in more than 120 different countries. Um, and that's in the English language only as well. So, you know, there's a, there's a big wide world out there. So it's focused only on the US and the UK. A um, means you're ignoring most of the rest of the world, which, you know, in most countries, Amazon doesn't even have a presence. Um, and, you know, you're, you're potentially doing yourself out of a lot of sales there. Um, there'll be millions of readers who will never see your books. Lots of people don't have Kindles. Lots of people don't um, shop at Amazon in Canada. Kobo is is, is the biggest um, player. It's second in the UK. It's growing massively. Australia and South Africa and New Zealand. Um, you know, we're looking at markets, for example, where some of the lower priced Android devices do very well. So you're looking at India, for example, um, where Google Play is growing as a, a, a big um, big retailer there. So you know, there are lots of reasons in my mind not to do it. Um, and they are all linked into the exclusivity. As soon as that goes, um, going into Kindle Unlimited will be an absolute no-brainer. But the way the world is changing at the moment and the way these other markets and these non-Amazon territories are, are growing so um, hugely at the moment, it just doesn't make sense to um, lock yourself into just Amazon. I think, I think there's a couple of things there for me. The, the, the one that's most important or the one that feels most important to me is about not having all of your eggs in one basket. And that was, I, I spent, I think, two, nearly two years under threat of redundancy. So it was four consecutive occasions I was under threat of redundancy when I was employed. And that is horrifying because if I, if I had have been made redundant, that would have been it. I'd have lost my house, my job, my income, because I didn't have any other form of income. And this is kind, this is the thing that concerns me most about KU. And, you know, you mentioned some of those examples where people have just had their accounts shut down. And 
you know, that's terrifying for me. That could end your career if you are exclusive. Mm. Now, to balance that out, there are occasions where KU does make sense. So, for example, a new author, <clears throat> excuse me, can gain some traction by being in KU. Um, somebody, there are genres, for example, that it is much much harder to sell wide than it is in KU. And it does come down to your goal, I suppose. Are you after a quick cash injection? Well, okay, maybe KU for a short period of time might be worth it. Of course, you have to bear in mind you are then damaging your chances of doing well wide because it takes time to build up your wide sales. But, you know, there are times and occasions where KU... Um, makes sense albeit a huge risk both to your long-term sales and and your financial stability um well i think there are two aspects to that i mean i understand why some people say if you're a new author go into ku because you've only got to worry about amazon then and there's a lot to learn um before you start looking at other retailers i totally understand that but that is also very short-sighted for two reasons um first of all you're building up um, an audience of readers who in the future won't be able to buy any more of your books because you're, you know, you're cultivating KU readers and some people will only read books in KU. Um, they're, they're not people who want to part with money for books, which A, aren't readers you're really going to want anyway, um, and B, aren't going to be able to get hold of your books in the future when you go wide. Um, you're also going to have that drop off when you do go wide, and that's going to make it more difficult for you to consider doing so in the future because you won't want to lose that KU income. Um, so for me, yes, fair enough. Only focus on Amazon at the start if you want to just learn how to publish books and how to build an audience. Um, but I don't think constraining yourself in KU is is really a good idea. I think the audience you want to be building on Amazon is the audience which is actually going to pay some money for your books and is actually going to help you build a career. So by all means, focus only on Amazon at first, but that doesn't mean you have to go into KU. You can be only on Amazon and not be anywhere else and still not tick that KDP select box because that then gives you the full autonomy and ability to, when you feel comfortable with that, go, okay, you know what? I'm comfortable with Amazon now. I'm going to also upload to Kobo or, you know, add a different uh, retailer on or go through D2D or Publish Drive or, or whoever. So I think for me, um, yes, only focus on Amazon at the start if you're completely new to this. But that doesn't mean going into KDP Select and having your books in KU. You can focus only on Amazon at first without, um, without tying yourself in there. But what about genres? Some genres do do better um, in KU. There's no no denying it. Some of my genres do better in KU. Um, then for me, the weight falls more heavily on the on the autonomy argument and not putting all of your eggs in that basket. Um, you know, you don't know when Amazon can close your account down. That can happen very easily. And you mentioned the, the redundancy um, worries that you had there. I mean, you'd be at permanent risk of redundancy if you're completely in with Amazon. Um, and, and there are political arguments as well. Some people just don't like Amazon. Some people don't want to be tied in to them. Um, and you've also got to look at, um, the ethics of feeding that beast. And I think more people who are in KU and who are feeding that KU model, the stronger it's going to get, the more power it's going to give to Amazon and the less power it's going to give to readers and to authors. Um, so from, 
from that standpoint, I think if you say, well, yeah, you know what? I could make a few extra quid a month by, by doing this. Fair enough. I completely understand that. But I think there is a wider viewpoint to be considered that actually um, by doing that, you're potentially making things worse in the long run for yourself and for everybody else. Are, are all of your books wide? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was going to catch you out then. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think there's um one that still remains a short story with an Amazon publishing imprint I think um which I think might still be in there because they you know it's it's basically owned by them anyway so there's not a whole lot I can do about that but um but no I won't even even my non-fiction which does you know a lot better non-fiction in general does a lot better in KU than it would do wide um, I, I still have wide. It's, um, you know, that it's such a multi pronged thing for me. There are many reasons not to do it that, you know, when I look at it and go, yes, okay, maybe this book or this series could make more money in KU. Um, there's still that, that long-term argument that actually it, it's not a good thing for the industry as it stands. So it's not something that I, I want to be a part of. I want, um, you know, I want this industry to be a big wide open one that anybody can enter, anybody can, publish books anybody can read and for that to remain for years to come i don't think having um the industry owned by um by one company is going to be uh, a good thing for anybody that's not something that i morally feel comfortable being a part of okay so that's okay when you're when you have lots of books and you're making you know enough money across all of those books to to be able to take that moralistic standpoint but talk to a new author or even a a not new author but somebody who doesn't have you know 20 books or whatever um being wide is hard it's really fucking hard i am wide and there, you know, I'm not even close to 50-50. Amazon is the vast majority of my income. Yet for all of those moralistic and idealistic reasons, I am wide, but it's hard. So what can an author like me or, or authors listening who want to be wide for those reasons, what can they do to help grow their sales? Well, being in KU is hard as well. It's not that one is hard and one is easy. Um, you know, being wide is not really any harder than being KU. It's just different. Um, I think the point that, you know, it, it's easy for somebody who sells lots of books to go wide um, and, you know, potentially take that hit. I mean, again, two points to that. First of all, I, I didn't take a hit. I actually sell more wide than I ever sold in KU. Um, and secondly, it's actually a, a bigger risk for a, for a, an author that's there with 20 odd books to suddenly shift them all um, from KU to wide, which is another reason why I advocate going wide or at least being non-exclusive from the start, because it's a much bigger, much more difficult thing to do when you've got 20 odd books out. If it's something you've done from the beginning, um, you know, if you're a new author, you've got one book out and you're perhaps earning, you know, two, three figures a month. Um, you've not got a whole lot to lose really by, by going wide at that point. Whereas, you know, if you're doing 10, you know, dropping half of that overnight is um, is a big, big thing. So I think actually probably the um, the, the reverse is true. Um, in terms of trying to build sales wide, it's, it's getting out of the Amazon mindset. The other retailers, just talk to them, email them, um, ask them how to build more sales there, ask them what promotions they can do. Oh, look, most of the time they'll respond to you and they'll help you. They want you to sell more books. Um, you know, a lot of us are in this mindset of 
how Amazon has treated authors, which is, you know, largely ignoring emails or sending templated responses, just directing you to the help pages. The other retailers aren't like that. There's a much more personable approach. Um, you'll speak to an actual human being who will want to help you, who will want you to sell more books because it's in their best interest that you do. For Amazon, um, Kindle and eBooks is that's a very small part of their business. It's not really something they're they're massively focused on. Um, BookBub ads, for example, work a lot better if you're wide, um, mainly because everybody's chasing the Amazon traffic, which ends up becoming hugely expensive, and you can pick up um, quite a lot of um, cheap clicks and and new readers on those other platforms using that. Um, Kobo has its um, in-house promotions dashboard as well, which you can email them and ask them to unlock if you don't already have access to that. Um, it's it's much it's much more of a personable approach, really. You know, you can you can speak to these vendors um, and these retailers, and they will they will want to help you. It's a, it's a different approach altogether. It's just much more friendly and much more usable. Hmm. Okay. I'm trying to think if I have a follow-up question because I, 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 I hear what you're saying about it being a risk for authors who have lots of books, but if you're going to move from one to the other, it's probably sensible to do it series at a time rather than just dumping all of your books one way or the other. So that's kind of what I meant rather than um, yeah. <clears throat> doing the whole, whole load of, at once um, i understand that yeah there, there are arguments for that um as you say it, it makes the transition much easier and smoother um and i think on you know the the, the other consideration to have there is you know the, the, the potential of confusing or upsetting readers if some of your books are available in some places and and not elsewhere i mean don't forget you know as authors we all know the the wide um versus exclusive argument we all know what ku is we all know that they demand exclusivity the vast majority of readers just don't i mean i get emails all the time from readers saying why aren't your books in ku you should put them in ku and i explained to them actually amazon demands that if i do i don't have them for sale anywhere else and most of the time the response from readers is that's outrageous i, I never knew that i'm going to be more careful about buying um books and and, and getting them from ku in future so you know we sometimes we, we you have to put yourself in the mind of the reader rather than that of the author sometimes we can't see the wood for the trees just some other quick tips that i've uh, picked up over um the last few weeks one is around using currency converters so places like canada and australia it's not about necessarily pricing uh, your books identically in those regions you can look at price sensitivity so do some research on your retailers to look at what comparator novels are uh, priced at and then price them at a similar price range and always remember to do your 0.99 or your 0.49 um, so that you don't have you know three pounds 26 or something in some obs mm. obscure country because it's lazy and it looks lazy to readers so that is one quick tip um yeah, I was going to add on to that, actually, that um, this is actually another kind of small argument in favour of going wide, is that um, yeah, the UK and the US are very price sensitive when it comes to books. And that is largely down down to Amazon, which is, you know, is a, a discount retailer and, and is on everything. You know, it's the, the quickest, easiest and cheapest way of doing things. 
Um, so that appeals there. In Canada, for example, their Kobo is bigger and Canada has large amounts of French influence. Um, and in France, books um, uh, launch with a retail price and it's actually illegal to discount those books. It has to be the same price everywhere. Um, and those prices are normally higher. You can't discount books. Um, over there so that kind of leaks over into Canada and you can get away with pricing your books more expensively there and earning a higher royalty and in Australia as well because of its geography um, most things are are more expensive in in Australia because you've got to get them there um, and that that applies to books too so generally speaking in those territories the expectation is that books are more expensive um, and just so happens as well there are two territories where retailers like Kobo and Apple Books um, are, are really growing. Yeah and you, if you are trying to work out how to do targeted country advertising Facebook has the ability to target by country uh, as does well BookBub you can target by retailer so if you only want to target Kobo readers on BookBub then you can do that. So there are ways and means of, you know, getting very, uh, what's the word, pin precise i can't yeah yeah very you can get very granular even even more so than that you can you can just target kobo readers in australia and apple readers in india or or canada if you wanted to you can you can be really quite specific and granular with it that's that's another thing that i love about about book bub ads okay um business business okay let's let's go back to business yeah (laughs) (laughs) because we were getting too serious before weren't we yeah i know god i was like (laughs) really ranting now no i'm joking (laughs) uh no i honestly i agree with all of the things that you are saying i just i suppose i have kind of a residual frustration because i find the wide marketing really hard i do sell more on amazon than i do wide and i am trying very hard to sell wide but it's it takes a lot of time and i am not the world's most patient person (laughs) no well yeah i mean as i say being in ku is hard it's not a case that you go into ku and you're going to sell loads of books um so you still got to do the marketing There, there is more to do um, but I think as with most things in, in business and in life, I think, you know, the, the harder things do have the higher potential rewards. And I think. So what you're saying is suck it up, princess. <laughs> that is exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Cheers. Cheers, mate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let, let's move on back to business. Um, talk to a new author. Or, or even to yourself before you started, what do you wish you'd, you'd known? Or, or what do you think are a couple of really key things that new authors can do to set their businesses up for success in the long term? Um, I think don't be afraid of making mistakes. Um, you know, you don't need to be successful with everything. You don't need to get everything right. Um, you know, even getting it right 10% of the time can lead you to some some pretty big successes so don't be afraid to experiment don't be afraid to get things wrong find out what works for you and what doesn't um not everything has to be perfect from the start um you know you can go back and you can change things even once a book is out you can go back and edit and you know republish and and what have you so don't worry too much about stressing and getting things right from the start i think um 
be yourself, build um, a bit of a brand about you. Not, nothing kind of deliberate or fabricated, but I think just being yourself and talking as you to your readers um, is something that, that they will really like as well. Um, I think it's, it's just a case of kind of getting organized as well and realizing that you are running a small business, realizing that you are um gonna have to try and make some money from this i think being realistic about that as well um there are a lot of authors who kind of pop up in facebook groups and forums and what have you and say well you know i, I can't afford to spend you know a few hundred dollars on a cover or or an editor i need to be making some money out of this and the fact is that you are going to have to spend some money to earn some money you're running a business if you opened a shoe shop um you know you wouldn't be um, able to open that by having you know painted the sign on the front of the shop yourself by having you know built all of the the racking and and everything you, you know you you are going to have to pay for some advertising you're going to have to get a shop fitter to 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 set the shop up for you there are, you know you have to rely on the professionals to do things that they do best because if you try doing it all yourself or try cutting corners and doing it cheaply that shop is going to look pretty shit and no one's going to go in there to buy their shoes um same kind of goes for your books as well. There are a lot of cheap self-published books out there, which, you know, look like people have done the covers themselves. They're not edited properly. Um, and, you know, put yourself in the reader's shoes. Are you going to buy that one or are you going to buy the next Stephen King? Um, you know, try and get a quality product out there, except that, yes, it's going to take some investment. Yes, you're going to have to spend some money. And yes, you're going to have to have some pride in, in what you do. Um, I know, People say, oh, it's very easy for you to say that because, you know, you, you've got some money. But it's something that I've always done from the start, right from my very first book coming out when I had less than no money. I had about minus 25,000 pounds at that point. <laughs> I still knew that I had to have um, a product which was comparable to what the big traditional publishers were putting out. And if we wanted our model to replace what was already there, then we had to at least be equal to them, if not better, because otherwise, why would anybody bother coming over and reading the the indie books? Um, and I think that still is is part of that long term mindset that you know you had to have that um, pride in your books and to have them set up for a reader. You know, it doesn't matter whether you like the cover. I've got covers of some of my books I really don't like, but the fact is they look good to a reader. They fit the genre and they make people want to buy the books. And you know, that's what matters. It's not what I like. It's, you know, what is best for the market, what is best for the readers and what is best for the long-term success of your business. Yeah. And I'm kind of giggling back here because I think it's hilarious that we, you know, these are our stories. They are our pride and joy and we pour yeah. our soul into them and it, actually it's not really about us at all at the end of the no. day it's all about and you know what you once you've written the end <laughs> it's no longer your book it's no longer your story and you have to let go at that point and say actually this is now a product that has to go on sale yeah. um at, at that point you you've got to pull that plug and say yeah my my input creatively on that front is is now over and you have to move on to the next one and that's when your your business mind kicks in Mm -hmm. just whilst we've been um talking i've just seen some messages between some of my friends about the whimsies and the the fancies of k of ku kdp uh, so um, my uh, my 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 talking was so um enlightening and engaging <laughs> that you've actually been browsing facebook messenger while i've been chatting yeah? no no i haven't it's it's just flashed up on my phone and uh, uh -huh. i haven't opened it so i can't see the full story but um what i have seen is that they've changed 
the maximum page count for paperbacks and it's resulted in um well i think because i can't see the rest of the message but i think it means uh one of my friend's books as paperbacks has been taken down because that was their choice to change the the, the page count so this is well, why they, they've reduced it yeah so yeah exactly so yeah on, on a on a whim overnight they've decided to reduce the number of pages you can have on a paperback and the book's been taken down this yeah, yeah. this is what i mean it's um, i think anyway i think you know i, I haven't read obviously the whole message of just well, let's, let's roll with that it, it fits the narrative let's roll with it yeah okay fine <laughs> Fuck it. it works for us <laughs> um yeah but 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 that's what i mean it's you know ku as much as i'd like to earn more because i i did do a three-month stint in ku and i did actually earn more um i don't i don't want something to be dictated to particularly mm, mm anyway yeah yeah i was i was in for years as well um and yeah you know it's it's not a everyone should definitely do this everyone should definitely do that no. but i think the, the way is you know once you consider everything um and you know look at things from a long-term point of view for for authors for readers and for the industry i think you know the um i think it comes down quite heavily in favor of being wide mm. Yeah, so um, so you're definitely exclusive then, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you fanboy over here, yeah. Okay, last two questions. Uh, let, let's go back to and be really cyclical and close that close that circle. Mindset. What do you huh. What do you say to authors who who are in a funk or or struggling uh, with their mindset? What would you say to them? Um, <laughs> I think largely um suck it up princess <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah deal with it really there's there's not a whole lot you can do um no one is waiting for you um you, you don't have a whole lot of choice really i think if you are stuck there are there are two things here you've got um you know you can be completely overwhelmed with stuff which is totally natural and i still get that on a pretty much daily basis as you know with the, you know, the messages that you get from me just ranting um so delegate th- all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, delegate things to others. You know, find um, things that people can do and and pay them to do it. Um, in the long run, you're going to be far better off because you're going to have more time to spend writing. You're going to be able to put better books out there and more quickly, and you're going to be able to earn more money from them. So, you know, feel free to delegate things and don't try doing it all yourself. This is why I don't like calling it self-publishing mm. because you can't do it all yourself and you shouldn't do it all yourself. You should be independent of um publishers but you shouldn't be doing it yourself so i really don't like that word self-publishing um yeah ask for help and prioritize don't waste time on the irrelevant stuff don't worry about you know building your twitter following or um you know thinking oh should i do some blogging i mean yes all these things do help i'm not saying that nobody should do them i'm just saying you know, you are a writer, write some fucking books, um, you know, do, do get, get in touch with your mailing list, build, you know, build your fan base that way and, and engage the readers that you've got um, prioritize and realize what are the most important things and don't just try doing everything. Um, Content and is king. It or is. Queen. Yeah. Queen. It is, but the you know the most important content is is more books because that's what you do. You know, you're not a blogger who writes books; you're a, an author who blogs. So, yeah. getting the books done is, I mean, that's that's the only thing that's guaranteed to make you some money as well. I mean, all authors of you know whatever um, size and platform have got readers, 
you know, whether that is a hundred thousand people on your mailing list or whether that's your mum and your uncle Jim, you've still got readers. So putting a new book out is guaranteed to at least sell a copy to your uncle Jim. You know, you're going to make two or three quid at the very least. It's going to be some money. Um, whereas, you know, doing other things, focusing on paid advertising, you know, you've got the potential to lose money there as well. Um, you know, the only kind of guarantee that's going to move you forward and build your back catalog and build your career is putting more books out there and you can worry about the rest of it afterwards. And I think don't be afraid to take a break either. Um, you know, you can sit there bashing your head off a desk and stressing over things and working at kind of 20% of your mental capacity, but you know, go for a walk, take a break for half an hour or an hour and you might come back with 80, 90% of your mental capacity and you'd be much more calmed down and able to do a hell of a lot more work for the rest of the day. So, you know, that being refreshed will give you a higher productivity level in the long run. Yeah, I think so, so, so many of us, me included, do not do the self-care thing. And it is ultimately, in the long run, more detrimental because you end up either broken, burnt out or like buggered basically and then you can't and then you end up having to have a longer break because you're having to repair yourself so yeah i got yeah definitely on the and and there's no rush there's no rush you you know you don't need to worry about getting all these things done now it's you know this this industry is going nowhere people have been reading books for years um you know if things take a week or two longer then you know in in the long run that that really doesn't matter so um you know you don't need to to bust a bollock for a launch or or anything like that (laughs) Uh, just a singular bollock though (laughs) yeah well yeah i've seen people try to bust two as well and that is painful (laughs) oh delightful right this is the rebel author podcast so tell me about a time you unleashed your inner rebel um to be honest with you i think even though it might sound like a bit of a cop-out and now I've just given you that, um, that branch, you're totally going to call it a cop-out. Yeah. I think, you know, being an indie author is a fairly rebellious thing to do anyway. It's, um, it always has been seen as that, I guess, even kind of a couple of centuries ago, you know, people were still independently publishing their works and it was always seen as a different way of doing things and challenging an industry which has remained the same for centuries. I mean, you know, the biggest, two biggest things that have happened in the publishing history's entire, um, entire history is since the introduction of the Gutenberg Press, is, there's, there's a launch of paperbacks. There's, you know, up until ebooks and indie publishing came along, they were just quite happily plodding along, doing the same things they'd always done. Um, and I think coming along and shaking things up and coming in with a fresh pair of eyes and saying, actually, what's best for the industry? Um, what's best for readers? What's best for authors? Not just what's best for all the middlemen in the middle who, you know, quite happily take a cut for not doing very much. But what is best for everybody overall and where are we going with things? I think it was an industry that needed shaking up. I think it needed some rebellion. Um, I think now um, that the indie publishing industry is, you know, somewhere around a decade old in its, in its current digital form, um, I think there are things, again, that need shaking up. Um, so, you know, the whole KU-wide exclusivity thing that's going on, there are some sectors of this this industry now that are starting to feel a bit stale and things are moving on and new innovation is coming in all the time so um i think even now 10 years on it does still feel quite rebellious to um to be an indie author 
total cop out. No. <laughs> I'm joking. Well, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm getting. No, no. What do you expect at this time of the morning? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I am definitely insufficiently caffeinated, that is for sure. Uh, okay, <laughs> T- tell tell listeners where they can find out more about you, your Facebook group, group and importantly, your courses as well. We didn't mention those. Um, yeah, well, the, the brand that I do things under is the Indie Author Mindset. Um, so there's an Indie Author Mindset Facebook group, which has, um, I think, one and a half thousand-ish people in there all offering free help and advice to each other there's indie authors of of all levels really from you know people who haven't um you know launched one of their books yet or still writing their first one right up to the likes of you know mark dawson um you know all in there all helping and and offering advice to each other um there's the website um, indieauthormindset.com I have some mini courses on there too um, on specific aspects of um, being an indie author and on marketing and advertising and and building your career rather than having a kind of a big overarching course which costs hundreds or thousands of dollars these are kind of one or two hour um, crash crash course modules like again not something to try saying at this time of the morning um, <laughs> which are <laughs> yeah, which are generally kind of twenty, thirty, fifty dollars, just to um, you know, for um, very specific things that you're looking to learn at that point in time. So you're not kind of overwhelmed with too much information. You can take things step by step. Um, I have taken a couple of them, and much as it pains me to say yet another nice thing, they are actually really good. So I will make sure that the links are in the show notes. Good, thank you. It yeah. was worth doing this Grumble. after all. Grumble. <laughs> and <laughs> um, what about your podcast um yes that's for um fans of crime fiction although we don't actually talk about crime fiction all that much um i present it with um, a friend of mine um robert dawes who's um another best-selling crime writer and if you're british you probably recognize him off the telly as well um we he lives just around the corner from me and we get together once a week and we talk a little bit about crime books that we've been reading and TV shows we've been watching. And for the rest of the episode, just talk absolute bollocks. (laughs) Um, But it's called partners in crime and it's on um, all the usual places, iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, um, or the website is partnersincrime.online. Perfect. Well, if you would like to support the show, you can do that and get all of the episodes early on Patreon. So that is www.patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. And that is Sasha with a C, S-A-C-H-A. Thank you very much to everybody listening. Thank you very much, Adam, for your time. I really appreciate your second interview with me. Uh, I'm Sasha Black. You are listening to Adam Croft, and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next time, I'll be talking to Dan Wilcox all about co-writing. So don't forget to tune in, subscribe on your podcatcher, and when you have a moment, please leave a review.